Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Well, I'm privileged to introduce to you one of my closest friends. He's been here before, and uh, he's one of my closest friends. We've known each other for, we, we determined about 12 years, and we've been partners in ministry. I'm happy to announce that he is going to be one of our regular teaching pastors. And so um, involved in just being a part of our team, being a part of us working together, teaching, and all those kinds of things. So uh, <clears throat> you didn't even say yes, and I'm just announcing it, so... Come on out. This is Dwayne Montague. Dwayne is, uh, a f- like I said, we've known each other 12 years. We have um, done ministry together up in Seattle, and now we're doing ministry together down here. He lives in Chino Hills, Chino Hills and, uh, and does, is one of the most creative individuals that you'll ever meet. It's just a, this mind that just never stops creating and thinking about different ways of doing things. The one thing I love about Dwayne is there's no box he lives in. Um, he, in fact, he enjoys pushing on the limits of every box that uh, people create. And uh, that's frustrated both he and I at times. But <laughs> so welcome, Dwayne Montague. Thank you, Pastor Ricardo. Thank you so much. Journey Church. Last time I was here on site with you, you were all in your cars, so at least I see your faces this time, so that's great. I mean, I see half your faces. What's up at the top? Um, and if you're on, uh, online, thank you for joining with us today. Um, wow. I guess I have to start with this. Merry Christmas, dear friends. It's an honor to be with you again today, and I know at least for me it feels like maybe we wouldn't get to Christmas this year. Like maybe we're just stuck in March and time never moved on. Uh, if you've ever read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know that uh, the story is that it's always winter and never Christmas. I kind of felt like that was going to happen. It's always going to be 2020 and we're never going to get to Christmas. But I have good news for you today. No lockdown, no governor, no government, nothing, not even the Grinch, can stop Christmas from coming. This incredible moment in time that we share, the singularly most wonderful day of the year, is unstoppable. In fact, today we're going to spend some time looking forward to something the entire world has looked forward to since the beginning of time. When man first broke the covenant with God and said, we don't want you, God said on that very day, I will send someone who will restore this relationship. So since the very beginning of the, the world itself, this moment has been looked forward to. There's something that's so amazing about this time of year. And as we do this, um, it's called a... It's called Advent. Have you heard the term before Advent? You have an Advent calendar. Uh, everybody sells an Advent calendar now. You got, there's a Harry Potter Advent calendar, which is funny to me. Uh, there's chocolate Advent calendars. There's a gummy worm Advent calendar. But it doesn't matter wh- how you do the Advent, it always means the same thing. It means to look forward to something. It means the arrival, the coming. And that's what it's all about today. We're used to hearing this word in December, but it really is something that's more than just a celebration of Christ's birth. Advent is the coming of Christ both in this moment that we look back to and also to the future that we will share with him when he comes back again. So Advent isn't just for a moment or a cute little time of hugs and kisses and cocoa. It's for God's triumphant return to say, this is my kingdom and I'm coming back to take them back to be with me. Each Sunday of Advent focuses on a particular thing. Uh, The first Sunday, I believe, was hope. Then we look at peace. Today, I want to focus on one of my favorite things about this time of year, and that's the incredible promise of God's joy. But before we do that, if you don't mind, just join me in a quick word of prayer. 
God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this incredible sunshine we're experiencing here on site. We're glad because it keeps us warm out here. But God, we're even gladder that we're warm by something even more amazing, your spirit, which is here with us. Whether, wherever we gather, whether we're here, whether we're watching online, whether we're listening to it at a later date, God, wherever we're gathered together to worship you, you are with us. And that is the promise of Emmanuel, the God who is with us. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. So today, God, help us hear what you have to say to us about this big idea of joy and what it means for us in this world. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Christmas is my favorite time of the year. You may remember that about me from last year. Um, it's, Merry Christmas is my second most favorite thing to say to someone besides I'm going to Disneyland. Unfortunately, I've not been able to say I'm going to Disneyland since March. So I'm just happy to say uh, Merry Christmas. You know, I'll take what I can. Uh, since last year when I was here, I, I think I mentioned that I, I love collecting Christmas music. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I have a very big Christmas library. Last year, I believe I said I had about 12,000 songs. This year, I'm happy to say that I have in my Christmas music collection 13,460 total songs to be exact. I am a, I'm sorry, honey. I'm a little bit of a freak about Christmas music. Uh, we bought our first fake tree uh, that we've ever had since we got married this year. Um, I've always been a live Christmas tree person, except when I was living in California as a kid because, you know, fires. And uh, getting a fake Christmas tree was great because we were able to put it up so early. I don't know about you, but I needed a little bit of Christmas earlier this year than I ever have before. I needed that feeling of joy and excitement. Um, the Christmas music is playing on the front porch. So when the neighbors walk by uh, with their dogs and their kids and their masks, they hear Bing Crosby singing songs to them which is great. I like to share the Christmas spirit. Uh, today, we're looking at this idea of what it means to talk about joy. And it's a little bit breezy up here, so mind for one second. There we go. I, uh, I, I find joy in weird things this year. Uh, we had a fireplace at our house in Washington. We don't have that where we live right now. So the fireplace crackling via the Apple TV has been delightful to me this year. Um, the candles are lit uh, to bring that Christmas smell. If you're ever looking for a good Christmas candle, I highly recommend the, uh, the balsam, fresh balsam from Bath and Body Works. It just smells like Christmas. And I don't get a cut from anything they sell from that. I just really like the smell of it. Christmas is my favorite time of the year because I love the traditions, the memories, and I love the gingerbread feelings we get this time of year. But this year, hmm, it's not as easy as it is to get our Christmas on this year as it was last year. Most of the words we use at Christmas time don't really seem to be very present in the world around us. In a world where pandemics and politics have made things seem a bit, shall we say, crazy, it's clear the words we hear the most aren't really applicable to Christmas 2020, are they? Love, peace, hope, joy. I mean, I know what God's plan is. I know that he wants me to have these things this holiday season, but as I do my best to avoid the news and stay away from social media arguments, I wonder, how am I supposed to rest Mary when everything is just plain nuts. Luckily for you and me, God gives us uh, a great roadmap. He had the Apostle Paul write this in the book of Romans, and I love this verse. It says this in Romans 15, uh, verse 13. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. Let me say that again. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. See, God's plan for us who love him is pretty clear. He wants us to be filled. Almost like we're overflowing with this stuff, with peace and joy because he is our, our hope. And we trust in him and, and nothing else. If we do that, then we will be filled with these things. And that's something actually why we could celebrate and sing these songs of worship we just did. 
That's why we shout out hallelujah so many times because that's what God wants. If we're overflowing with this, then it comes out of us naturally. But the problem is it's hard to have it overflow sometimes. The angels remind us of this on the day that Jesus was born. In Luke chapter 10, 2, verse 10, remember your uh, Charlie Brown Christmas? Linus says it this way, The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great, what? Joy, which shall be to all people. Joy is one of the words that we hear a lot at Christmas time. You hear it in songs. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, right? While by my sheep I watched at night. And then they get to the joy, 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 joy. It sounds better when more people sing it. <laughs> oh, come all ye faithful. Well, oh, come all ye faithful. Joyful and triumphant. Not sad and lonely. Sad and depressed. It's joyful and triumphant. Uh, if you're older, like me, you may know that Jeremiah was a bullfrog, right? Joy to the world. All the boys and girls now. Joy to the people in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. Uh, you can see it on our Christmas cards, if you're sending those out this year. Uh, you can take your picture next to it in the mall. Um, I had one taken a few years ago there. Uh, and uh, giant word joy. We stood in front of it. I don't know if I felt very joyous. Small, the mall was crowded. felt weird, but there was joy. Uh, you can see it in commercials. I heard it in a commercial for um, a, a drug the other day. Uh, a car insurance commercial. It uh, doesn't matter what it is. It's Christmas. We're going to put the word joy on it, right? Okay, yeah, that's great. But many of us, when we think of joy, maybe we don't think of a baby lion in a manger. We think of uh, that movie, um, Inside Out, the Pixar one, where there's that yellow character. Her name is Joy, and she is just effervescent, always cheerful, brightly colored. You may think that's what you have to be like if you're filled with joy. Like, hey, I love you. It's like, yeah, great, and you're also a little annoying. Joyful does not equal annoying, just to be clear. We say to ourselves, I, I, I can't do that. That's not me. I'm not filled with joy. Have you seen my life? Have you seen 2020? Have you seen my family? We're a hot mess. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I've seen your family. Some of you I'm friends with on Facebook, and I've seen what you're posting, and yeah, you are a hot mess. But that's okay, because mine's a hot mess too. Every family is. We're normal people. We've all been through this together this year. We may not feel effervescent and bubbly, we may feel more like a two-liter bottle of soda that someone forgot to put the lid back on. You feel a little flat. You know, you go to drink it, it just tastes like you're drinking... What? I, I, I can't drink soda with it. Yeah, it's like, it's like flavored water. Like, I didn't... That's not what Diet Coke should taste like. You may say to yourself, after all, how can I be joyful when there's so much uh, weirdness in my life? Honestly, 2020 has been weird. I, I, I never leave my house anymore. I mean, I leave my house to go for a walk, but that's it. I, I, uh, my wife was furloughed for three months from her job with Disney. My oldest daughter graduated from college virtually, which was weird. My oldest son started college virtually, which is weird. We can't uh, go to Disneyland. We can't go to the gym. I have to wear a mask everywhere I go. And yes, if you're wondering, it's very itchy when you have a beard. It's like yesterday, I got up, we were at the mall. We walked out, and I got to the car, pulled my mask off, and I, I felt like I was just scratching my beard for like seven minutes. And my wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, mask, yuck, beard, ouch. Life has been weird for the last nine months, which has been a few days longer than just 15 days to slow the spread. Right, remember that? If we were to be honest, the most wonderful time of the year has a lot of us maybe filled with a little bit of worry, angst, and fear. Maybe there's a little sadness thrown in there too. There's not a lot of room for joy, is there? 
Part of the problem with that is because most of us think the word joy means it, it equals being happy, and it doesn't. Joy, if you look it up in the dictionary, does not mean happiness. Joy actually says this. It is great delight caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Wow! How often have you felt like that this year? How many times have you honestly experienced something exceptionally good or satisfying? How many times have you felt the word delight? When was the last time you've delighted in anything? I know I, I was delighted on my wedding day, definitely. Uh, delighted on each the day that my four kids were born. Uh, I'm delighted to go on road trips with my family. I mean, you, it's hard not to be delighted when you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon looking at the thing going, wow. Uh, I'm delighted to be with you guys today. But when you look at the word delight, even that, like joy, has been somewhat cheapened. Greatest example is this. McDonald's has a breakfast sandwich you can order called the Egg White Delight. Have you tasted it? The same word used to describe the birth of the Savior is used to describe a fast food breakfast sandwich. It's no wonder we don't really get what joy is all about today and why God placed such importance on it in the Bible that he uses the word nearly 200 times. The word joy appears almost 150 times in the Bible. In the New Testament, it appears 57 times. One New Testament writer alone uses the word in its various forms 16 times in one letter. God wants us to understand that joy is part of what we get by knowing him. The Apostle Paul is the one who used this word joy so often in one of his letters. And he had every reason to feel like you and I do during the holidays. And it's not because he heard the song, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey one too many times. His world was a messy place. Corrupt government leaders, rampant disease, local turmoil, and rioting in the streets over the politica, this political issue and that. Huh. Sounds a little bit like uh, 2020 America. Paul himself was in prison for preaching the good news and spent a good portion of that time constantly chained to a Roman guard. Imagine spending most of your life at the end of your days, chained to another person. Your privacy's gone. Imagine sleeping with that person. I, I, I know I snore and I feel sorry for my wife. So imagine if you're Paul, you're like, okay, I'm in prison, I'm chained, I don't get any food, I know I'm going to die, and I'm chained next to the guy who snores the most. Thanks, God. And yet in spite of that, he doesn't say, wow, I have no joy. In one of those letters, the book of Philippians, Paul uses the term joy more than any other space in the New Testament. He's imprisoned, like I said. And yet he tells his friends, as he writes to them in the city of Philippi, I will continue to rejoice. That's Philippians 1, 18. He goes on to say, For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Paul has confidence in the outcome of his situation. No matter how bleak it is, no matter what ominous turn it may take, he has confidence that God's will will be done and it will turn out for his greater ultimate good. I, I gotta be honest, I'm standing here teaching this and I wish I had that confidence. I am getting tired of Zoom meetings and virtual school and virtual church and virtual everything. I, I, I will confess, I lose my joy over masks. 
I lose my joy over mandates. But Paul is in prison with his life on the line, and he's reminding me in my inconveniences to rejoice. I'm going to choose joy right now. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. He's reminding me right now. He's reminding us that the Starbucks barista getting your name wrong again isn't the worst thing that can ever happen in your life. And with my name is Dwayne, it's never right. It's never spelled right. I got Dwan. That was my favorite. I made the mistake of telling that to my family one time, and guess what? They call me now. The frustration you feel when you uh, use your Prime account to order something that should be there in two days, and it shows up four days later. I know I clicked two-day delivery. This is not okay. I am going to let somebody know about this. When I have to do a drive-in church or outside the church, when I know there's brand new carpet inside there and it smells good and there's a cafe that I can't go to, life is messy. It's irritating. It's frustrating. But it shouldn't be joy-stealing, right? I mean, we know this. Any person sitting here right now, anybody watching online, you know that the little things in your life should not steal your joy. We, we've heard the term, don't sweat the what? Sweat the small stuff. But the small stuff keeps happening. In 2020, it seems like it never stops. I'm, I'm, I'm almost convinced we're all going to go to bed on December 31st and wake up on January 1st, 2020. It'll be Groundhog Day for a year. I know, right? Lord, we don't want that. Please hear our prayer. Deliver us. I'm sorry, it's a different movie. Uh, every single day, more small stuff on top of more small stuff. And then the big stuff is added on top of the small stuff, and we know what happens. Suddenly, we become the least joyful people on the planet. Uh, this is why, uh, uh, like I said, I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love the music. I love this. I even like watching Hallmark Christmas movies. When I was uh, a couple years ago, I was like, ah, these things are so cheesy, right? It's always a couple, someone comes to the city or from the city and someone falls in love and there's like the rugged guy and the handsome guy, but the rugged guy's the good guy, the handsome guy isn't really evil, but he just doesn't know how to let go of his hate of Christmas. And by the end of the movie, literally the end of the movie is it's snowing and there's a kiss and then credits roll. It's like, that's not life, but golly, how I love those movies this year. I've had enough real life. I want the Hallmark version. I want it to snow when things go bad. I mean, even in California, right? Give me something, God. But there's something about we, we enjoy watching, but they don't really resonate. They're like, eating, um, they're like eating fast food. They taste really good for the moment, but when you're done, you're like, eh, I feel kind of empty inside. The movies that really resonate with me, the ones that really help me out and make me feel something, are those movies that um, aren't on the Hallmark Channel. They're not the ones that literally make you feel happy and everyone's smiling through 90% of the film. The ones that I love are the ones that are just a little bit, um, a little bit more real. Uh, Christmas Vacation, where the guy is doing his best to give his family the best holiday ever, right? And literally everything goes wrong. I've had a Christmas like that, or four, or 20. Family is great. 
but they're annoying. And there's small things that just drive us crazy. And Clark is doing his best to keep everyone feeling that they're going to have a hip, hip, happy holiday. And by the end of it, as we all know, if you've seen the film, it, it, it takes a miracle for him to smile at the end and realize he, yeah. A Christmas story. This little kid just wants one thing. One thing he wants for Christmas. And the entire world tells him this one thing that you want will murder you. That's Christmas right there. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Little reindeer, special kid, born with a very unique ability. The very day he's born, Santa Claus walks into his house, looks at him, and tells his father, you should be ashamed of yourself. Wow, that's, that, what? That's happy. A Charlie Brown Christmas. Most angst-filled family Christmas special of all time. Ever since it was shown, I think the reason people really relate to this one because it, it speaks to all of us. Charlie Brown is clearly suffering from pre-holiday depression. He visits a psychiatrist, even though she's not very good. He still seeks out therapy. His friends don't see the warning signs, and all they do is shout at him to do something right for a change, Charlie Brown. Perhaps the most real Christmas movie, which is why I, I think it's probably the, the best like, holiday classic, is uh, this movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen it. The hero is a man named George Bailey, and he dreams all of his life to travel the world, to become an architect, and escape small-town life. Instead, he has spent his life giving up on those dreams to help everybody else. He's watched his life pass him by. His little brother is a war hero, and he couldn't even get drafted. He lives in a big old nasty house, falling apart. He drives an old car. And one Christmas Eve, his uncle loses all the money to keep the family business afloat. George is at his wit's end. The small stuff, which is going on for 30 years, has finally piled up too high. The big stuff is now overwhelming. He goes home to his family who's excited for Christmas, and he loses it on him. His daughter won't stop playing the same four chords of Hark the Hail the Angels Sing over and over again. His son will not stop asking him how to spell frankincense. His, his youngest daughter is upstairs with a cold because her teacher sent her home without a sweater. He loses it on his family. He yells at his wife. He tells his kids to stop yelling. Stop playing that. What are you doing? And finally, he asks in a moment of his exasperation, why do we have to have all these kids? Honestly, a question my wife and I have asked several times over the years. They remind us why we have four kids, and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. But he loses it. I watched the movie with my kids a couple years ago, and I said, does this remind you of anybody? And they all looked at me and said, it's you. Ouch! I, I, I was thinking of myself as like some jolly like Santa Claus this time of year, and instead they're like, no, you're like the grumpiest man in the world. When my life gets too full of the small stuff, and when something big happens, pow. Maybe like you, you're like that too. You lose it. George, Clark, Ralphie, Rudolph, even Charlie Brown, they have no joy. When your joy is gone, it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts everyone around you. Because people without joy are very hard to be around. That's why Paul's encouragement from Philippians is so timely and so important. Paul says this in Philippians 4.4. 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. That means, well, it means constantly. It's a command, too. Paul is not saying, you know, if you feel like it, no, 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 rejoice in the Lord. No, he's saying no matter what happens to you, you can choose to rejoice, and you should be able to do it all the time. You can rejoice when you're tired of wearing a mask. You can rejoice when the internet goes out in the middle of your Zoom call. 
You can rejoice when you get bad news from the doctor. You can rejoice always. Paul knows what we're thinking. Because even right now we're going, hmm, I'm not sure, Paul. Rejoice in the Lord constantly. Which is why he quickly adds, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He's like, I'm reminding you. I just said it, but I'm going to say it again. Do this thing. Rejoice. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. Always be full of joy in the Lord. That's what it means to rejoice. Joy isn't about our circumstances. It's not about us at all. Joy means that we are so full of him that there's no room for worry or angst or fear or anger or frustration or any of the other things that seem to come and rob us of our joy. I, I, I may take a little while, but I can learn. And that's the thing. Paul's situation was bad. It was awful. He was imprisoned and alone, yet there in the middle of the worst, he reminds us of what is best. Don't worry about anything. Wow. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all that he has done. Then, only then, will you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to that again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. That's how you can rejoice in the Lord always. Because you're not thinking about yourself and your circumstance and the things that are driving you crazy. You're thinking about him. And all the stuff that he has blessed you with, in spite of the fact that this may be the worst year humanity has ever experienced. Which it's not, by the way. We can have joy in our world this Christmas. Where we are at today, however we're feeling about life, God says that we don't have to stay there, my friends. That's what's awesome. We can move from these feelings of doubt or fear or anger or even cynicism to something greater. To something that truly delights our hearts. Because something exceptionally good and satisfying can be ours. That's what Christmas is all about. Those Christmas movies I talked about a few minutes ago, I love them because they're a little more realistic and the characters are relatable. But if the movies and stories stayed joyless, we would not watch them over and over again. Right? If Clark may be annoyed by his family, but by the end of the movie, he could appreciate each of them for their weirdness and their wackiness, even Cousin Eddie kind of gets a little smile at the end. Ralphie may be thwarted in his quest for a BB gun until the end of Christmas Day, but a surprise gift from the least likely person he expected, his gruff old man, lights up his face, makes his day, and as he says in the film, things were different from that point on between me and my father. It changed his relationship because his father knew what would bring his son joy. Clue, that's what God has for you. Our father knows what brings us joy, and that's what he wants to give to us. Rudolph may have a shiny nose, and he may get made fun of, but as we know, the story ends with what? Santa Claus looking at him saying, hey, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you? Good job. Some of you know your Christmas songs. Charlie Brown's friends follow him outside. 
They discover his broken tree. It's, it's, it's dispirited that one ornament has nearly broken it in half. And Linus says, it's not such a bad little tree. It just needs a little love, that's all. Wow. Could that be a better metaphor for Charlie Brown himself? Charlie Brown's just a bad little guy. He just needs a little love. And so they show some love to the tree, which suddenly grows from being this tall and broken to a like seven-foot-tall, beautifully filled-out tree that they bought at the, you know, the most expensive store in, in town. And they sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Charlie Brown walks up. He can't believe what he sees, and his friends look at him and say, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. George? George Bailey? He realizes that although his life didn't turn out how he planned it, there was something that had a much bigger and greater plan in store for him. And his life is what? It's truly wonderful after all. You know, when you see those moments in a film like that, when you see those things in your own life, it, you see the light in someone's face when they have that moment of joy, the delight they feel in a great moment. Your heart swells, and God looks at us and says, that's what I want for you today. That's what I want for you at the end of this crazy year. I want you to feel that delight, that joy, that wonderfulness of who I am because that's what I have for you. And that's my prayer for you this Christmas. No matter how big a mess our world is, how messy our lives may seem, we can be filled with delight, filled with something that is so exceptionally good or satisfying because there is a God who loves us so much that he went to the greatest lengths possible for us to know him. He left the glory of heaven for this planet and all its brokenness. Divinity wrapped itself up in humanity for you and for me. Those things that steal your joy, God cares about them. As uh, the old song, O Holy Night, reminds us, he knows our need. To our weakness, he is no stranger. Those things that steal your joy, those things that defeat you, God beat them. He is beating them. He is bigger and greater and stronger than them. We don't have to come to him sad and defeated. As I said a minute ago, the carol, Oh, Come All You Faithful, says to us, don't come to him sad and crying and tired and defeated. You come to him what? Joyful and triumphant. Triumphant means we win. He wins. And when he wins, we win because we love him and he loves us. God cares about the small stuff, the big stuff, and everything in between. It's why Jesus came. It's why he promised to never leave us to forsake us. It's why he promised this Advent thing that we would see him come back someday to take us to be with him forever. If you're still not sure, I totally get it. When something starts to rob us of our joy, let's remind ourselves of these promises. When we start to get nervous or worried or whatever feeling we feel here at the end of this year, remember the words of the angel of the shepherds? Luke 2 says the angels showed up and the shepherds were what? They were, if you go King James, they were sore afraid. I mean, they were freaked out. They were terrified. We, we read the story, we're like, oh, an angel showed up. That's cool. If an angel showed up here right now, we would collectively wet our pants. I mean, I would. I can't speak for all of you, but I would freak out. That would terrify me. Every time an angel shows up in the Bible, it freaks the people out. Where's the first thing the angels all we do? Luke 2.10, the angel reassured them. I love the word reassured. It's something I love to have someone do for me. 
Yes, I know things are okay, but can you just reassure me, make sure I really, really know that? I find myself doing that sometimes. I Reassuring maybe a friend that I haven't seen because of COVID restrictions. Yeah, we're still friends. I love you guys. You're awesome. Um, uh, when my wife shows me a new outfit, yes, you look great in that. Seriously, no, I'm not just saying that. It looks good. I reassure you. It does look good on you, honey. Uh, a couple years ago, I actually had to do this for my daughter, Autumn. Uh, this particular day, I was, uh, she had gone home with some friends to do a, a, a work, work on a project for school. And uh, somehow the, the, the project involved them um, um, having a Nerf war, which always most good school projects do involve that, I think. Um, and as part of the project, they said that in this Nerf war, she was going to uh, get her, her spot up in the top of this treehouse that was in the backyard. But to do that, um, for some reason, she needed to uh, use a, a pogo stick as part of her... Uh, weaponry, because you know how kids like to use pogo sticks as weapons. Actually, kids will use anything as a weapon, so this does make perfect sense. But not only did she want to use the pogo stick as a weapon, she wanted to use it to help her climb. I just found this out actually like a couple weeks ago. She actually wanted to use the pogo stick to help her climb up into the treehouse. And as we all know, that makes perfect sense. So here she is climbing up this treehouse, uh, climbing up this ladder, precarious as it is, using the pogo stick to pull herself each step, and somehow the pogo stick slipped out of her hand. The handle of it smashed on the top of her head. She fell off the ladder, stood up, felt a little dizzy, felt okay, left the pogo stick on the ground, and proceeded to climb up into the top of the treehouse. And um, she said she felt a little funny in her head. So she put her hand up on top of her head and pulled it down, and it was covered in blood. And by the time her friend called me in a panic to say, Pastor Dwayne, Pastor Dwayne, come, Audrey's covered in blood. By the time I got there, she looked like she had just survived the Battle of Helm's Deep from The Lord of the Rings. Blood literally dripping from her face, her hair. Her clothes were just covered in blood. I, I'm not a blood person, but my wife was at work, and so I had to go and show up and look at the blood and um, try to be a, a good father in the moment that I'm trying not to throw up and freak out and like, oh my gosh, um, She's small, but she's, she's tough. She's tougher than anyone in our family. So the fact that it didn't actually hurt her on the head, she didn't notice it until the blood was everywhere, is pretty impressive. So we, I got there, picked her up, put her in the car. We're driving to the ER. And uh, every parent knows what not to do in a situation like this, right? You know that your child should not have tried to use a pogo stick climb into the treehouse. You know they clearly did not make a wise choice here. But that moment is not the moment when you start telling your child what they did wrong. You don't go, by the way, honey, you know that big gash you're bleeding out of? That's your fault. So shame on you. No. She knows it. She knows my head is bleeding and I think I've just killed myself. In fact, that's what she is thinking. And so in this moment, in this moment when she's afraid, that's when it's time for us as a parent to do what the angel did that night. When the shepherds were scared and freaked out, the angel, what, reassured them. So in this moment, I, I'm driving with her. She's covered in blood. I, I don't say what, what, I, what all the stuff that's going through my head. And I start to hear her cry. And not just like, like sobbing, just like this cry that I've not heard her give in a long time. It was definitely because she was scared. And I caught my her view in the rear view mirror. I said, honey, what's wrong? And uh, in her little tiny voice, 
coming out this little tiny person with so much blood dripping all over their body. She said, Daddy, am I going to die? Honestly, I was a little worried, a little scared, a little afraid. But I spoke calmly and gently, and I, and I reassured her, you will be okay. This is not the end of the world. Yes, it looks bad, looks very bad, but it's going to be okay. And you're, don't worry, you're, you're not going to die. You will be okay. Spoiler alert. She was okay. Phew. She got five staples in her head with zero anesthesia. Like I said, she's the toughest person that I know. But she didn't know she was going to be okay right then. Right then, she needed to hear one thing from her father. And it was the same thing that our Heavenly Father is saying to you and me today right here at the end of 2020. You will be okay. Whatever you are facing, no matter how bad it looks, there is someone bigger and greater than the thing you are scared of. That thing that is causing you to lash out, to lose sleep, or be angry, whatever it is, God is saying to you right now, it's going to be okay. Why? Remember what the angel said after he reassured the shepherds. So the angel reassured them, and then he said, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news and a noise. Multitude of the heavenly host, after all. Good news that will bring what? Great joy to all people. Good news. Great joy. Delight in Jesus. Be filled with him this Christmas because he is exceptionally good and his promises are incredibly satisfying because they are true. God is reassuring you. He's reassuring me. Do not be afraid. Do not be scared or worried or brokenhearted. When you think you can't find joy this Christmas, it's time to pause and say, Jesus, fill me with you. Fill me with your promises. Jesus, be with me. His very name says he will be there with you. Emmanuel is God with us. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. Fill yourself with all that Christmas means for us. The good news that God is here and with us, and because of that we can have joy because God sent his son. He is here with you with me, he cares for us. And because of that, honestly, we can, with all of our hearts, joyful and triumphant sing, joy to my world. Will you do me a favor and stand with me? And if you're at home watching online, you don't have to stand up. It may be weird. Will you just join me in a word of prayer real quick? Because I really just want to pray a blessing of peace over you. Wherever you're at right now, wherever you're facing, I know if you're like me, this year has done damage to your psyche. Maybe you're afraid of the future because you don't know where your paycheck's coming from. Maybe you're worried about relationships because the people you would love to see this Christmas are not going to be able to come see you. 
Whatever you're facing, I want you to hear with all my heart that God is with us. He loves you, and he will bring you joy if you just fill yourself with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, on the night that you were born, the night that you wrapped yourselves in our frail forms, when you put aside the glory that was due you and said, no, I'm going to become one of them, that I will know their need, I will know their weakness, I will not be a stranger to the things they are scared of and afraid of. You came to a world that was just as messed up and as messy as ours, but God, it's in the middle of the mess where we find you most likely to be. You show up when things get messy. You remind us in the heart of our sadness and our strangeness and all the things that we're scared of that you are here. You reassure us just like the shepherds heard from the angel. Do not be afraid for I bring good news of great joy, great joy. So God, I pray for all of us who are listening today that we will be filled with hope and peace and joy because the God of all hope is there for us. God, help us put our trust in you. As we look to disease and worries and fears, God, our, 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 we are not going to be saved by science. We're not going to be saved by a, by, a, by a politician. We're not going to be saved by being nice to each other. We're going to be saved because you are the one who saves. Your very name, Jesus, means Savior, the one who saves. So, God, we put our trust and our hope and our faith in you. God, we'll follow, we'll follow whatever directions we're given because we want to be good citizens. We want to follow the rules that we've been given so we can live our lives and be satisfied. But God, ultimately what it comes down to is for us to have joy. It's going to come from you. So God, may we be filled with you this Christmas. May the next incredible 12 days that lead to the celebration of your birth be filled with joy and hope and a realization that you are with us. Wherever we're at today, God, I just pray that you will release us from our fears. And if we need to confess some fears to you, God, may we do that in this moment. May we say to you, I'm afraid, but God, I know you're here. I worry, but God, I know you're here. God, I'm scared, but I know you're here. And what will happen is he will replace those things with himself. And when he does that, then truly we will feel that joy to overflowing. God, this is our prayer. This is what we wish for, for Christmas this year, your joy in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.